Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus through these messages from our weekend worship gatherings. We are so glad you're joining us for our summer series at Vintage Church as we examine the life of Jesus through the eyes and experience of his most beloved disciple, John. We hope that you are curious and committed as we take a closer look at Jesus and reflect on what it means to live and love like him. Well, good morning, church. Good morning to everybody that's watching online. Say hey to everybody at the beach. Yeah, we know that it's Labor Day, kind of the unofficial end of summer, but man, I'm glad you're here, and I just love the sweet um, spirit that's been in this room all morning long. Yeah, grab your Bibles, go ahead and go to John chapter 15. We're going to get there in just a minute. John chapter 15. Um, when, when I was a little kid, there, I had many moments where I almost died. Anybody else like that? Especially may, maybe it's a boy thing. I don't know that it is. You know, you always hear that saying, oh, he's just all boy or just being a boy. Y'all, girls, y'all were crazy too when you were kids. Stop it. It's like, we had, they're like we're just rambunctious. Well, when I was a kid, I broke my left arm, both bones, both times, twice. I broke, broke my left arm twice. Now, the first time it happened, there's not a whole lot of debate about how it, how it happened. I was at school. I was, we had this big heel. And when we were little kids, there was nothing more fun than seeing how fast you could roll down a hill. That's why when my kids say, I'm bored, I'm gonna slap you in the face. Go roll down a hill and get out of my house. <laughs> Just, we would during, during recess, we had jungle gyms and playgrounds, but we had this big like 45 degree angle hill. And instead of playing on the playground, we thought it was just fun to do this as fast as we could down a hill. I won't do that anymore, I'll fall off stage. <laughs> so the first time I broke it, I got to the bottom of that hill and to stop my momentum, I just put out my left arm. It was literally a break, if you know what I'm saying. I broke my arm. The second time now that I broke my left arm, there's a little bit of a debate among my family about how it happened. We know it involves the couch in our living room. My family tries to act like I was pretending to be a superhero, which I was known to do from time to time. And I tried to do Superman move and fly over the back of the couch. I caught my, my foot, went head first down toward the ground, and again, stuck my left arm out to break my fall. So newsflash, if you're falling, Tuck and roll, okay? Well, the second time that I broke my arm, and it may be the first time as well, they had to go in and they had to reset it. So they had to take me in and, and put me to sleep and, and reset my arm and cast it all the way up to here. Well, I came out of the anesthesia or whatever, and we were coming out of the hospital, and my dad was carrying me. And now I'm, I'm like in the second grade. And the whole time, I don't want my dad to carry me. I want to walk out of the hospital. And my dad's carrying me. By this time, you know, I'm, I'm a second grader. I'm, I'm big enough where I'm, I'm flailing and I'm, and I'm kicking and I'm screaming and I'm just, just begging my dad, put me down. I want to walk. Put me down. I want to walk. And of course, my mom's standing there saying, Tommy Smith, don't you put him down. My mom's a nurse, so she knows that, that I don't have the capability of walking on my own. And my dad knows that as well. But like I'm hitting him in the face and I'm screaming. I'm going crazy. So finally, my dad's like, all right, boy, you want to walk? You go ahead and walk. So my dad puts me down, I take three steps, and I face plant right into the tile floor of the hospital. And of course, my mom was like, mm-hmm, told you so. Face plant. I just wondered that I didn't crack my skull and have a concussion. And now before you blame my dad, so there comes a point when you're fighting and you're resisting and you're kicking and screaming 
to the point where even though your father knows it's not what's best, when you resist and kick and push enough, sometimes he'll just give you what you want. Some people are seeing the spiritual connection. There comes a moment when you resist your heavenly father and kick and scream and are so determined to get out of his grasp, he will eventually give you what you want. Eventually, he'll give way. And I took two steps and I face planted into that tile floor. And I just, as I thought about that today, how often do we do that with God? That God knows that we're in this space and he wants to cradle us and carry us and move us forward. But we kick and scream and resist to the point where he eventually just gives us what we want. And the moment he does, he knew what was gonna happen, but we face, you ever face planted in life? <laughs> Come on, somebody testify. Have you ever just failed miserably? Have you ever tried to do it on your own without God and outside of his protection only to realize how desperately you need him and have the scars and the bruises to show it? But you know what hit me this morning? I wasn't kicking and screaming and resisting my father because I didn't love him and trust him. Because see, sometimes I think that's why we perceive people to resist God. Well, they just don't love God. They don't trust God. They don't believe God loves them. No, in that moment when my dad's trying to carry me through that hospital, I know my father loves me. I have an amazing dad and my whole life I've known that he's loved me and cares about me and wants my best interest. So my resistance to him is not because I don't know that he loves me, cares for me, and it's not because I don't love him and I don't trust him, but there's something in us that just at times just desires to be independent. Not just with our, our relationship with our earthly father, but in our relationship with our heavenly father. There's so often that, that we're resisting and pushing against God, and it's not because we don't love him or think he loves us. It's not because we don't trust him. It's because there's something about the way we're wired that wants at times to just prove we can do it on our own. And sometimes we're successful for a little while. Sometimes we can even have years of fruitfulness and success. But if you live in independence, eventually you're gonna experience destruction. You are not wired, you are not built to live outside of a relationship with God. He formed you, he made you, he created you, and you are built to live in relationship with him. And if you try to exist outside of relationship with him, you can have some measure of success by the way some might, someone might define it. You can have what some might call a good life, but you cannot have all the fulfillment that God desires for you outside of intimacy with God. And that's at the very heart of what Jesus is trying to communicate, articulate to his disciples in John chapter 15. Remember where we are. Jesus knows his hour is coming. He's just hours away from going through trials, a beating, and the worst death possible. And he knows this. And he has this moment with his disciples, the, the first to follow Jesus. 
And he's leveraging this moment to lean in and have a conversation with them and teach them some things that he knows that they need because there's gonna come a moment when he's physically not with them anymore and he's trying to prepare them for what he has prepared for them. And so he's teaching them some things. And in John 15, he continues in this conversation. Go with me, John 15, pick up with verse one. You ready with me, say amen. John chapter 15, verse one. Jesus talking to his disciples, continuing to get them ready for what's about to unfold. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Go to verse 12. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything I have learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. But remember, verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Jesus is trying to communicate something really important to his disciples. See, really, all this time, they've kind of lived in a bubble. Have you heard that term lately? I was, I was watching some sports the other day and they were talking about how these players are existing in this bubble and how often, you know, that, that term is, is, is used now in this whole COVID situation. But the reality is many of us tend to live in our own little bubbles. We grow up in our little Christian bubbles and our little church bubbles in bubbles where, where we're safe. And in those bubbles, we can, we can be authentic and we can be who we are and we're around like-minded people. And all, but then there's a time in life when your bubble will eventually bust and you have to step outside that circle. When you go from living at home with your parents as a high schooler and you head off to college, 
when you change job and now not everybody who was at that position loves Jesus and believes in Jesus and now to actually live like Jesus is challenging and difficult. And Jesus knows that for the disciples, the bubble they've been living in for the last three and a half years is about to bust. They've been living in this real tight community. It's just pretty much been the 12 of them and Jesus and he has shielded them from so much. But now the bubble's about to bust. And they're about to step in to a really difficult season of life. And they're gonna be challenged and they're gonna be pressed. And to stay faithful to Jesus it's going to require a lot. And Jesus is trying to teach them that, you know what? My goal is that you live consistently for me. Because there's going to be a lot of things that Peter's going to show how hard it is to be consistent with me. Because even before the end of the night, he's already told them, Peter's going to deny me three times. The one among you that you believe to be the most bold, the one that's unshakable, the one that was willing to throw his leg over the side of a boat and step out onto water is gonna deny me three times. So what you're gonna, to live for me is gonna be difficult. And if you don't stay really intimately connected with me, you're not gonna be able to do it. You can't be independent anymore. You're gonna have to, and that's why, so he says, remain in me, remain in me, remain in me. He's saying, if you're gonna live consistency, with consistency, there has to be a deep level of intimacy. If you're gonna live in consistency, you have to live in intimacy. You have to be deeply connected to, without intimacy with me, you will never have consistency in me. And he's trying to unpack some really important things. Number one, there's danger in distance. There's danger in distance. When we allow ourselves to drift from God, when we allow ourselves to get out of rhythm with who he is, there's a lot of danger in distance. And it's really easy to drift out of intimacy with God, isn't it? Come on, somebody. We have to constantly fight the drift because intimacy with God does not happen automatically or accidentally. To stay connected with God, to remain connected with God, it takes a lot of intentional behavior on our part. But he says it's dangerous when there's disconnection. There's danger in disconnection with God because that disconnection creates that distance. Look at, go back to verse five. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. There's danger in disconnection. That if, if you don't stay intimately connected with me, when life throws at you what it's about to throw, it's gonna be really bad. If you don't stay intimately connected with me, if you allow yourself to disconnect, if you allow yourself to drift from me, when life throws the stuff at you that I know it's about to throw, you're not gonna make it, you're not gonna survive. He unpacks this throughout the whole teaching. Going to verse six. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up thrown into the fire and burned. 
that you're going to have a hard time being useful in the kingdom that I'm going to hand you the keys to if you allow disconnect to happen to you and I. I know how easy it is to drift. Now, and it's not because we don't love Jesus. It's not because we don't, you know, we don't trust Jesus. It's just a part of life. We've, we always talk about how this thing that we get to have with Jesus is a relationship. How easy is it in every relationship that you have for, for distance and disconnect to creep in? And it doesn't happen overnight or all at once. It happens gradually. There's a, very few couples end up in divorce and drift apart from each other overnight. It's a lot of days that go by and we avoid certain conversations and we get out of the routine. We take each other for granted. And the next thing you know, we allow stuff to creep in. And before you know it, we're living in two very different worlds. It's the same thing with God. It's so easy to let our relationship and our intimacy with him drift. That we come down off those spiritual highs or we step into a season of success where we don't feel that urgency to pray like we once did. And slowly but surely, we begin to disconnect. We go to a, we go to a, we go to a church service and God's conviction falls on our hearts. And we say, tomorrow, I'm getting the word every day. And we do it for a week and a half. And then life happens and we miss a day. I'll start back tomorrow. And then we miss another day. By Wednesday, I'll be back on track. Then Wednesday comes and something else happened. And before you know it, that time spent alone with God, the space between when we committed to it and when we did it last has grown wider than we ever anticipated being. Come on, somebody testify. You know I'm telling truth right now. It says there's danger in disconnection. If you allow yourself to drift from me, you will not be able to bear the fruit. And if you don't bear fruit, like Jesus is not mincing words, you're cut off. There's this disconnect, you're, you're useless. But he says, not only do you have to worry about be, the, being cut off, he, there's times when he has to cut back. Because not only is there, is there danger in disconnection, there's also pain in pruning. There's pain in pruning. And Jesus says pruning would be a part of the process. Look at verse two. Says he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus says, the goal here is for you to produce fruit that gives me glory and honor and builds my kingdom. And the branches that don't bear fruit get cut off. And the ones that do bear fruit have to go through the pruning. So not only that can they bear fruit, they can bear even more fruit. And we read that and we, and we understand that. And, and I am by no means a gardener, but I know what pruning is. There's times we have to, to cut back so that things can grow. We have to pull back. We have to trim away. But here's what I know about pruning. So in the pruning process, things look ugly for a little while. There comes, there's, there's a season where it doesn't quite look like we would want it to be. And when we allow God to prune our lives, there's gonna be a time when we look at our lives and we feel like something's missing and we feel like something isn't there that should be there. But Jesus is saying, I know that's what it feels like in a moment, but I've trimmed it back so that it can grow and produce even more fruit than you ever thought possible. And God prunes. And pruning is painful because some, can I let you know what's, just been true in my life. God often prunes the branches that I want to hold on to. I want, I want to pick which branches he prunes. God, take that one and that one and that one. And God says, no, I want that one. 
But God, I like that one. It's my favorite one. But that's the one that's got to go. And see, when you go through that process, when God starts pruning in your life, it will be painful. And it will often be him pruning things that you wouldn't pick, but it's necessary. And somebody needs just to hear this. Stop, stop trying to hold on to what God's trying to prune. He's trying to remove it and you won't release it. And it's hindering your ability to produce the massive fruit that he desires for you. You don't get to pick where he prunes. And sometimes he's trying to prune things in our lives that because we like them, because we prefer them, we don't want them to be pruned. So stop chasing that relationship because God's pruning it. Stop trying to hold on to what God's trying to prune so that you can be more fruitful. And I know that's a painful process and I know it's frustrating, but it's what God's trying to do because the result of remaining will be worth it. The result of the remaining, when we remain in him, it produces something. When we stay connected to Jesus, when we live in rhythm with him, the result is there's fruit in our lives. Verse eight, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The result of remaining is it produces fruit in our lives. And some people might, well, what kind, what's that fruit look like? I think Jesus has given it to us in so many ways. He says in verse 17, this is my command, love each other. If the only way you're ever gonna love, be able to love people is to remain in his love. The fruit of remaining in Jesus is you're able to love in a way that you aren't able to love in otherwise. You with me? Newsflash, people are not easy to love. It's okay if you say amen to that. People are not easy to love. People are frustrating, especially right now. How do you know if you're remaining in him? Are you able to love people? See, a lot of times we think, well, the fruit of remaining in love with Jesus is I finally quit cussing. Now, that's a good one. Or I finally was able to kick that addiction. That's awesome. I was finally able to just start being more honest with people. That's great. But ultimately, the fruit of knowing that you are living in intimacy with Jesus is you're able to love other people the way Jesus loves other people. I know that flies in the face of the way so many of us grew up. That when we remain in Jesus, there's a certain way that we look and a certain way that we talk and certain music that we listen to and certain habits that we have. And now don't get me wrong, I believe all of that is a part of it in so many ways. But Jesus said, we heard it last week, they will know you're my disciples by the way that you love each other. So if you're wondering, am I really living in intimacy with Jesus? Are you able to love people? Not just the people that love you back not just the people that agree with you politically. <laughs> not just people who share your opinion about the coronavirus. Love people. Passionately and persistently. Love people. 
Now, Paul would talk about other fruits of the Spirit. Remember this, Galatians 5, 22. And just how much do we need this stuff right now? Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. He starts with love. You know why? Because Jesus started with love. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Tony, leave those verses up on the screen. That when we remain in Jesus, first and foremost, we're able to love other people the way he's called us to love other people. But Paul unpacks, do you realize without a single one of these things, we're never able to love people? Look at them. Joy. If you don't have joy and you're miserable, you will never love people because you'll always be jealous of them and comparing yourself with them. Peace. If you're not at peace in your own heart, if you haven't settled things in your own spirit, you will never be able to love other people. Forbearance. If, you, if kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, all these things are necessary. If, if these things aren't completely present in our lives, we will never be able to love the way Jesus has called us to love. And we will never see these produced in our lives unless we stay intimately connected with him. But then Jesus also reminds us that there's a consequence of consistency. So just in case you, you, you don't know, that, that living in consistency that flows out of intimacy with me, just so you know, if you think that's gonna make you popular, it's not. When you follow purpose, it doesn't, it doesn't end in popularity. He says, you can live in intimacy with me and consistency with me, but verse 20, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Verse 21, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. That Jesus says, look, just so that you know, when you live in intimacy with me and start finding consistency in me, and even though your life produces fruit that is powerful and world-changing, just so you know, it doesn't mean you're going to be popular. That there were people that still press against you and persecute you and want to come at you in so many ways. Because sometimes you'll think when you, when you feel that, when that happens, it'll make you question. Well, Jesus, I thought if I loved people, everybody would like me. Nope. I thought if I followed you, everything would be smooth. Never promised that. I thought if I spoke your truth, people would hear it and understand it and receive it with compassion. Nah, they'll hate you for it. And if you don't understand that, when that pressure comes, that pressure will push you out of intimacy with me and you will begin to drift once again and sacrifice the fruit I wanna produce in your lives. Jesus says, remain in me. That the only way your life is ever gonna make a difference, the only way you're gonna produce the fruit in this world that the world desperately needs is for you to stay intimately connected with me. You in me and me in you. That if you really wanna make a difference, you gotta remain in rhythm. But you know what I've discovered? So often our ability to remain is dependent on our routine. It's easy to remain when 
when, when our routine isn't disrupted. Am I making sense to anybody? Like we have this routine. When I have the routine of being able to go to church every Sunday, when I have the routine of not having to worry about how I'm gonna get all three of my kids through virtual learning today. When things, are, when things are normal, my routine functions well, I live in rhythm with Jesus and I remain in him and I see fruit. But you disrupt my routine, you interrupt my rhythm and my ability to remain. And I think what's happening in this season, all of our routine is wrecked. And therefore it's wrecked our rhythm. And therefore our ability to remain in him has been lost. And no wonder we're being so ugly to one another. And so Jesus is saying, if you're gonna remain in me, you gotta do it even when your routine isn't what you would prefer. You gotta find a way to remain even when you're out of rhythm. You gotta find a way to stay intimately connected to me. And I just wonder if there's some people in the room you're stumbling down the hallway outside of the arms of your heavenly father. And so far you've made it without crashing face first. But it's only a matter of time that if you continue to live in independence instead of intimacy, things will not end well. And I know your routine's off. And I know nothing about life feels right right now. And I know you're trying to figure it out. And I know that the moment you figure it out, things change again. And you're having a hard time finding a routine that keeps you in rhythm and helps you remain. And I wish I had the answers for how to fix all that, but I don't. What I do know is it's very clear. If we don't remain in him and him in us, what will be produced in our lives, it will not be joy, peace, kindness. See, we're gonna produce something. Have you ever thought about that? Your life will always produce fruit. Always. It's not like if you disconnect from him, there's, there's no fruit at all. There's, there's, there's fruit, it's just bad fruit. It's evil fruit. It's frustrating. Like your life is producing something. Whether it's building his kingdom and for his glory, that's all connected to and dependent on your ability to remain in him. So maybe you're in here and over the last several months or weeks, you've felt yourself begin to drift slowly but surely and disconnect from the Lord. And today's the day that you step back toward him. Scripture says, if you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. And maybe the days the day you, you reconnect and you start doing the things you need to do to remain in him. So will you take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes? And I want you just to think about, answer this question, am I close? Have I allowed myself to drift? Has the disruption in my routine gotten me out of rhythm and no longer am I really remaining in him the way that I need to in order to produce the fruit in my life? that he desires. I've allowed myself to drift and I know there's danger in disconnect. Or maybe you're in here and you know what? God's been trying to prune some things in your life and you've been trying to pick where he prunes and because he's not picking where you would prefer, you're resisting what he's trying to remove. 
God's calling you in. Inviting you to stop fighting against all that he wants to do in your life. And today's the day for you just to lean in as we worship. Father, I pray that we would just take some time to spend with you right now. That God, for a moment, that every person in this room and every person watching online would forget that there's people around them and just have a moment with you. That we would allow ourselves to reconnect to who you are and what you desire for our lives. And God, I pray that you would help us just to have a stronger desire for intimacy than we have for independence. Knowing that only when intimacy with you is achieved is consistency in you attainable. So God, whatever we need to do, draw us close. Move us toward you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and opportunities to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.